Now, that sounds like a simple thing. Uh, I've been assured, I have assurance, I've had assurance of my salvation for years and years and years. But I'll tell you the truth, I've been in my Bible for years and years and years. And the people I find that are not assured of their salvation, are not sure, if they're, even though they've received Jesus Christ and they fear that maybe God's going to cast them out or they're going to fall away or they're not going to make it to heaven, those people that I run into, a majority of those people just simply just don't know their Bible. And when you get, when you, if you'll go with through these with me this morning, these scriptures, I think if, you've, if you know for a fact that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be assured that you are going to go to heaven. Now, where your place in heaven is going to be, you might uh, not have as many rewards as somebody else, but we're not talking about rewards. That has to do with the judgment seat of Christ. We're talking about, I want to get to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. That, that's, that's, what had me, that's what led me to Jesus Christ. I didn't receive Jesus Christ because I thought, well, I want, to, I want to get some rewards or anything. I received Jesus Christ because I knew I was a sinner going to hell. And I wanted to avoid hell. And uh, if, you've, uh, if you receive Jesus Christ... Uh, for your sin atonement and you've received him and you're a born again believer you have eternal life and there's, a, there's eternal security in eternal life he doesn't just give you life for a little while he's going to give you life eternally and this is not security for a little while this is security for eternally so I'm preaching this morning on eternal security or eternal life and I'm going to start in 1 John chapter 5 1 John Chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to be in 1 John for two or three verses. And I'm going to turn you through, through some scripture this morning. But I want to make sure before you leave these doors of this church that you know, hey, I've received Jesus Christ and I want you to know that you're going to heaven. And there's nothing going to change that. And that God's got you. And God's not going to let you fall. And that you've got an assurance of going to heaven. I want you to know that. Because I think once you grab a hold of that and once you realize, you know what? God loves me, and God saved me, and He's not going to let me fall. I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go to hell no matter what. It makes you want to live for the Lord just that much more. And it helps you to understand the love God has for you. And we're going to start in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. That's where we're going to start this morning. Now, uh, eternal security is a, is a strong doctrine of the Bible. It's preached strongly in Baptist churches. I'm a Baptist. I'm really a, uh, people ask me, what are you? I, I tend to tell them I'm a Bible believer. Being a King James Bible believer, I believe everything the King James Bible says. I, I stick with the book. I believe the Bible. But as a Baptist, Baptists really have a strong doctrine about eternal security. We believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. And they have a saying, they have a saying that once saved, always saved. And that's a good way of looking at this. And I, I want you to go with, through these scriptures with me, and I'm going to show you what the Bible has to say. Now, a lot of this doctrine that we're going to be looking at this morning, because this is more as much a teaching as a preaching, a lot of this doctrine it has to do with your relationship with God the Father. Your relationship with God the Father. You need to understand, and I'm not going to turn to the scripture right now and show you this, because that would be another two or three hour long sermon, but... I want to, and a lot of y'all went through this teaching with me, but you need to understand that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your relationship with God changes in a moment. And what happens is, is you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and God from that moment no longer is God the judge. He's no, he is now God your Father. 
and you're born again into the family of God. Your relationship with God changes from He was your judge that you were going to meet at the great white throne judgment. Now He's your Father that loves you and can show you grace and that will always love you and always has a place in a, ho a, place in a home for you. And when you understand that He's your Father, it really, really hammers home what's going on spiritually in your life. Now, I didn't understand this very well until I had my own son. Now, when I had my own child and my son was grown up, I, I, it didn't take long for me to understand the love that God has for me because I had so much love for that little child. And I would get up in the middle of the night and go over to that crib and I would lean down and I would make sure that he was still breathing. I was, so, I was just so scared that he, I was just, my whole life was wrapped up in that little bundle <laughs> of eight pounds. My whole life. And if I'm wicked, have that kind of love for my child. How much more does God's love have for us? So you've got to grab a hold of this stuff. Now, I'm going to show you scripture that's going to really hammer home all this. But doctrinally speaking, you need to understand that when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God is no longer a judge to you. He's your father and Jesus Christ is your brother and now you're part of the family of God. And that's where some people get it all messed up. They think that everybody's part of the family of God. No. Without Jesus Christ, you're not part of the family of God. God is your creator, but he's not your father. And from that moment on, you will go, you, from that moment you're born without Jesus Christ and your sins, you've got the, the age of accountability. When you pass that age, God's going to start holding your sins to your account. We were studying that this morning in Sunday school. He's going to hold it to your account. And when you, he's holding it to your account. You're condemned. And now you're looking forward to going before God. He's going to be your judge. And a judge can show no mercy. A judge can show no grace. He has to drop the gavel and give you what you have coming to him. If he's a righteous judge, he can show no grace. So when we stand before God, and you, if, you, if you stand before God and he's, you have not received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to stand before God in your sins. He's going to be your judge. And boy, that's a scary, scary thought. As he opens up those books and starts reading everything you've ever done. All that stuff you have hidden in a closet, that's all going to be revealed. That's a scary thought. Now, let me give you the good news. The rest of the morning is going to be really, really good news. Because if you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just take him in faith. Bow your head and call out and say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand everything about the Bible, but I know I'm going to hell and I know you died for my sins. Will you save me? If you pray that prayer, believing that he can hear you, that he's a resurrected Savior, amen. You believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you pray that prayer, believing he can hear you, he will save you. I know it because he saved me. Holy Spirit will come in and start living with you. You're now born again. Jesus Christ said, you must be born again. You'll be born again. You'll be part of the family of God. Now, He's yours. You're His. Nothing like that. Nothing's ever going to change. Now, I'm going to show you the scriptures this morning. For this, the, all these scriptures are for born-again believers in Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, none of this applies to you. You're condemned already. And I can't encourage you enough, if you want the good stuff, if you want the stuff that I'm going to be talking about this morning, take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen. You can't go to God any other way. God's love was, was poured out at the cross. You go to the cross, you have that blood applied to you. That's where salvation's at. Now, once God gets you into His family, now we're going to see what's going to happen to you. Look at 1 John chapter 5, 
verse 12. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's pretty plain. You either have Jesus or you don't have Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have life. Eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. You have death waiting on you. Pretty simple, isn't it? Not hard to understand that verse, but look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you believe on Jesus Christ? That ye may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. John says, I'm writing this so you may know, you can know it, that you have eternal life. That's eternal life. That's not, I have it for a little while and it's going to be took away from me. He goes, you may know that you have eternal life. And I want to preach this morning on eternal security in eternal life and what it means to be once saved, always saved. And guys, once we're done this morning, I think beyond a shadow of doubt, you'll, you'll say, I know I have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. John R. Rice said one of the most important things. He said, never put a question mark where God put a period. There's no question marks in that sentence as I've read to you. There's no question mark at the end of that. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's period. It's not question mark. Never put a question mark where God put a period. And all these I'm showing you are going to be periods. No question marks. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. God doesn't want you to fear the loss of your salvation. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, He doesn't want you to fear the loss of your salvation. Same book, look at chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. God doesn't want you fearing you're going to go to hell once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He doesn't want his child afraid that you're going to be kicked out of the family. I don't want my child to be afraid that he doesn't have a home to come home to. I want my child to know he's got a place. He's got a place in my table. He always has a place. He's always going to be my child. And I know he doesn't ever fear, fear that. And that's a great love. He needs to know that love. And if you know God and his love, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. God's got the perfect love for you. And if you know that love and you'll know it in Jesus Christ, it'll cast away all that fear. God doesn't want you to be walking around, Christian, fearing that he's going to throw you into hell. He's already took care of that. He's already took care of all of your problems. And some of the fears that we have are simply fears that we don't realize that God loves us. And we're afraid that God can't love us. And we're afraid that God doesn't have the love that we need shown towards us and doesn't have the grace. You know why we feel that way? And I've talked to people like that. I've talked to people who just are so afraid that God can't forgive them. God, God, there's no way... There's no way God could forgive me. There's no way God could forgive me. You know why they think that? Because there's no way they could forgive them. And they know if, they, if somebody was to do that to them, that they don't have the love in their heart to forgive somebody for doing that to them. 
And you know what? You're right. You don't have that love. But we're not talking about your love. <laughs> we're talking about God's love. We're talking about love enough to die for you. Look, look, turn back a couple of pages to John, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I'm showing you these verses. I want this to have hammered home to you, man. You have eternal life. God doesn't want you to fear the loss of your salvation. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 20. You say, but Brother Keegan, my heart, my heart, my heart doesn't tell me. I feel like in my heart. I feel like in my, in my heart. Man, your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what the Bible says. Don't trust your heart. Don't stop listening to the world. The world will tell you to trust your heart. I'm telling you, the Bible says don't trust your heart. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will deceive you. Okay, guys. Some of you, isn't there a time that you thought somebody really loved you? Your heart told you, oh, they really loved you. Oh, they really loved me. And you, it wasn't but maybe six months later, a year later, maybe it was a couple of weeks later, you found out they don't love me. But in your heart, you thought they really loved you. And you heard them talking bad about you behind your back or something happened to you. Your heart can deceive you. It will deceive you. It's deceived millions of people straight into hell. Look at verse 20. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. God is greater than your heart and knoweth all things. Oh, Brother Keegan, my heart, I don't, just don't think God could forgive me. I just don't really see God. Who, who cares? Your heart's condemning you. Forget your heart. God is greater than your heart. He knows all things. He knows that you're going to heaven, even if you don't. I don't know if I'm going. I don't know if I'm going. God knows. God knows. You, you need to stop worrying about this stuff. Your heart will condemn you. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart is wicked. That's what Jesus Christ said. It's out of the abundance of a man's heart that all this wickedness comes. Adultery and fornication and lies and murder. All that starts in your heart way before it comes. It's in your heart. Why are you trusting your heart? Don't listen to this humanism. This world uh, spouts this humanistic, humanistic philosophy where you just go with your heart. Go with your heart. If you go with your heart, you're going to go straight to hell. You know what my heart tells me to do? It tells me to do some very wicked things. And I have to put that stupid heart under. But if, for if our heart condemn us, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and your heart is condemning. You're saying, ah, you, there's no way he loves you. There's no way he... God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. <laughs> he knows. He knows what's going on if you don't. And I'm so happy about that. I'm glad God doesn't leave it in my hands for me to get up to heaven. He's done everything for me. He gives me the free gift. All you have to do is receive it. Once you receive that free gift, then it's all in His hands. It's all up to Him. He's the one that's saving you, amen? amen. You didn't save yourself. He's the one that died for you. You didn't have to die for yourself. You see where I'm going with this? You're not going to get into the glory. Jesus Christ is getting all of the glory. Stop worrying about what's going on in your heart and say, you know what, God knows what's going on. I'm going to leave it up to Him. I know He loves me, no matter what my heart says. Because you'll get, you'll get to convincing yourself that there's no way that God could forgive you. And God knows He can forgive you. Stop trying to judge God like you judge yourself. I see this in people's lives where they try to make God into the straw man. They try to make God in their own image. You know, I hate something, so God must hate that. 
right? I hate something, something, so God must hate that. God, God has got a personality. You better check with this word to make sure that you're in line with God. You better make sure. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. How can I know God's love? Look at verse 16. How can I know God's love? Look at verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do you know God loves you? He died for you. You know why, you know, you know why I preach that all the time? Why I say that all the time from this pulpit? Because it's true. God loves you enough to die for you. How do I know God loves me? He died for you. How, how, how much more love can He show? Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. So you can know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to fear the loss of your salvation. If your heart is condemning you, God is greater than your heart. Don't have any fear. Look at John chapter 3. Look at the gospel of John chapter 3. Let's move on. I'm, now we're going to start working at some uh, assurance, assurance verses. And what I mean by that, John chapter 3 verse 36 is, I'm going to start showing you some verses that's going to assure you that you have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 36 Man, these are, these are good verses, and I'm going to read this to you. John chapter 3, verse 36. We're going, to start, we're going to start getting into the Gospels a little bit and see what Jesus Christ had to say. Look at John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Okay, let's stop there. If you believe on Jesus Christ, will you, do you might have it? Or can you go, you're going to get it later? Or, no, that, the Bible right there says you have it. You have it. Look, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You're not going to get it. It's not coming later on for you. Brothers and sisters, you have it right now. Amen. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You either have it or you don't. It's not like, well, I think I have it and it's coming to me. No, brother, you don't understand. You've got it right now. Amen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's going to be saved right now. You're going to be saved right now. It's not something that's coming in later on. He that, hath the son, hath, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Always a flip side to every coin. So if you're in here and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got eternal life right now. Amen. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the wrath of God is abiding on you, not later on at some weird judgment you got in your mind. God's wrath is abiding on you right now. Right now. It's abiding on you. And judgment's coming. And I, I keep trying to point this out because the world's got this funny idea that, well, God loves me and God's, oh, God's wrath's on you. You've got to be careful. You've got to go to the cross to get that love. You've got to go to the cross to get in the family. You've got to go to the cross where Jesus Christ died for you. You've got to go there. It's not in works. It's not in going to church. It's not in reading your Bible. It's not saying the rosary. You've got to go to Jesus Christ at the cross. 
You don't go to Mary. You don't go to the Pope. You don't go to the General Baptist Convention. You don't go to the Baptist preacher. You go to Jesus Christ. Man, I can't handle this. All. And that's where eternal life is. But when he gives it to you, man, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you got it. <laughs> you got it. Look at chapter 5. Look at John chapter 5. Jesus Christ says this out of his own mouth. John chapter 5, verse 24. Man, I, 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 I can't hammer this home enough, man. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, you have that eternal life. It's never going to be took away from you. Look at verse 24. Matthew chapter 5. I mean, John, pardon me. Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily. Jesus Christ says, verily, verily. That means, listen to me. When he says verily, verily, he's saying, listen to me. Now listen to me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You've got it. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just want to believe in Jesus Christ and I want to get to heaven. And if you'll just put all your faith in Jesus Christ, say it's all about Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Will you save me? If you'll believe on him, you'll have eternal life. Not sometime down in the future, right now. See that word hath? That means you have it right now. <laughs> we don't have to go to the Greek, brothers and sisters. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life see what's the opposite of that without Jesus Christ without believing on Jesus Christ you're in condemnation and you're in death see I've passed from death unto life but somebody's not is still in death Revelation 20, when the great white throne judgment takes place, we were reading that this morning. What does the Bible say? It says the dead are brought before God. The dead, the dead, the dead. But brothers and sisters, I'm not dead. I'm alive in Jesus Christ. I have eternal life. I'm not dead. The only thing dead about me is this old rotten body. God's going to get rid of it and give me a new body. I have eternal life because I put my faith into Jesus Christ. And people came up to Jesus Christ and said, well, what kind of work do we need to do? We need to go out and work, work, work. And we need to do all these works because God wants our works. God don't want your works. So look, look at John chapter 6. They asked him this question. Verse 28. Look at John, Gospel of John chapter 6, verse 28. Because they were convinced they needed to work, work, work. And God was going to do something for them if they work, work, work. John chapter 6, verse 28. Then said they unto him, they said to Jesus, what shall we do and what... That we might work the works of God. Well, what's the works of God? What can we do? What kind of work can we do for God? I want to work the work of God. What kind of work can I do to get me into heaven? Look what Jesus says in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. It's belief. It's belief. It's belief. You're not going to get the glory. You're not going to work your way into heaven. You're not going to work. You're either going to believe or you're not going to believe. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. 
I want to work the works of God. Jesus, Jesus Christ said, well, here's the works of God. This is what you do. This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. You believe on Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith into Jesus Christ, look at John chapter 10. Look at Gospel of John chapter... When you put your faith into Jesus Christ, boy, you're putting it in the right thing right there, brother. <laughs> You've got the right fire insurance when you get into Jesus Christ. Because this isn't Muhammad or Buddha, somebody laying in a grave dead somewhere. This is a resurrected Savior that says, you know what, Mary, or Martha, you th you, you're talking about the resurrection, Martha. You need to understand something, Martha. I am the resurrection. <laughs> Martha was kind of took back. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. You won't laugh. You don't go to anybody else, but you go to me. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but by me. You're so narrow-minded, Keegan. I know I am. I'm narrow-minded when it comes to God and Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ makes me narrow-minded. And I get to looking at the truth about Jesus Christ. I'm like, why would you go anywhere else? Muhammad didn't hang on no cross. Buddha didn't hang on any cross. Nobody died for Keegan Hall. But one man, Jesus Christ. Nobody cares enough to die for me. Some of y'all talk a big game. Oh, Brother Keegan, we love you. I, you know what? If I was out there in the middle of the road, y'all would say, just let him hit, get hit by that car. You know, I'm not going to jump out. i got things to do tomorrow. And I don't blame you. My own wife would probably go, well, there'd be some good insurance come that way. But boom, boom, you know, turn me into a speed bump. <laughs> I don't blame her. Listen, don't, don't kid me. I know what's in your heart. I know what's in my heart. I'm not going to lie to you like I'm going to die for one of y'all. But there's one man that will. And he did. And he wants to give you eternal life. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Verse 27. John 10 verse 27. My sheep, Jesus Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Look at verse 28. Gotta, you need to underline this verse. You need to put a star next to this verse. You need to highlight this verse. You need to know this verse. Whatever it takes, memorize this verse. Look what Jesus Christ says unto them. And I give unto them eternal life. He didn't say you earn it, did he? He says I give it to them. Listen, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a sheep, and he says I'm going to give them eternal life. Here you go. I give it to you. It's eternal life. I give unto them eternal life. Notice and they shall never perish. You're in pretty good hands. <laughs> you, you've gotten in the right deal when you get into Jesus Christ. Because he, he's not an Indian giver. He's not going to give it and then come back and take it away. Listen, it's eternally secure. It's eternal life. It's never going to perish. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. <laughs> he says, I give it to them, they'll never perish, they're mine, they're my sheep, and nobody is going to take them away from me. Even your own heart. Oh, my heart's condemning me. Thank God God's greater than your heart, and he knows all things. Oh, you're saved, you're my sheep, come on. You know, 
It'd be just like if I come by your house and I come by with a brand new truck. Some of y'all would almost think that's eternal life. <laughs> Amen? And come by with a brand new truck and park that truck in your driveway and say, I'm giving you this truck. And I bet you you'd have all kinds of kind words to say about the pastor then. And then I get in my little Toyota Corolla and I just drive off, you know. And be like, oh, praise the Lord. We have such a wonderful preacher. He's so wonderful. Look at this brand new. And I'd bring you a Chevy, not a Dodge. I love you. Well, no, brother. I'd love you enough to bring you a Chevy, not a Dodge. Because I don't want you to call me in the middle of the night broke down. So I'd bring you a brand new Chevy. And I would pull up there and it'd be, the, you know, it'd be beautiful. And you'd be praising me for about a month. And then about, about the second week of that first month, you'll get in this payment book. And it'll have your name on it. And it'll be to the Chevy house. And you'll be starting cussing this preacher. So I thought he said he was giving it to me. Now I'm going to have to make all these payments. I never gave you a new truck. I never gave you a new truck. You're making payments on it. You don't make payments on eternal life. He's either giving it to you or you're earning it. He's either giving it to you with no conditions attached and said, it's yours, I'm, you're, it's yours to have. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You need to be in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. That's the best place to be. Get in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus Christ. And when you let go of those hands, they don't let go of you. You might let go of Jesus Christ, say, I'm done with Christianity. I want to go off here. Jesus Christ, I'm not done with you, boy. You're still mine. You're still mine. Verse 29, my father, Jesus Christ says, my father which gave them me is greater than all. He's greater than all the armed forces. He's greater than all the satanic forces. Listen to me. He's greater than all your sins. So many of us get saved and we're, we're cleansed and we're washed and we have that feeling of that weight lifted off of us and we know that through the Holy Spirit we got that witness that we can cry out, Abba, Father, we live for a little while for Jesus Christ in our new salvation in this new birth and then it doesn't take long we start picking up some filth and we start doing things we shouldn't do and we start questioning God saying, am I saved? I don't know if I'm saved and we start walking around thinking that. But God's greater than all our sins. When Jesus Christ died for my sins, I wasn't even born. What sin have I committed? That's 1,970 years away, you know? What sin have I committed when He's on the cross? Not a one. Jesus Christ didn't just die for my sins before I got saved. Jesus Christ died for my sins before I got saved, while I'm saved, and after I'm saved. Jesus Christ died for all my sins. My Father is greater than all. And He gave me eternal life. I didn't earn it. I can't earn it. Some of y'all could. Some of y'all are so holy and sanctified. I really believe some of y'all are... And maybe I don't know you well enough. Amen? I need to talk to your spouses. But I really believe y'all are such good people. You're such good people. And y'all do, do always do the right things, man. And you get around my wife and ask her, I don't do the right things. I always do the wrong things. There's no way and no way I could earn eternal life. That's why I love my Savior, Jesus Christ, so much. Because I didn't earn it. He says, here, Keegan, you sorry, no good dog, I'm going to give it to you. Thank you, Lord. 
My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man, no man, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Woo, that almost got Jesus Christ stoned, calling himself God. Listen, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to fear your loss of your salvation. God wants you to know that he's given it to you, that he's got you in his nail-scarred hands. He's never going to let you go. He, w- he wants to give you perfect love to cast out that fear. Guys, he loves you. He saved you. He wants you to do something for him. Don't worry about salvation. You're saved. You're saved and he's there with you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Let's get into Ephesians chapter 1. Let's get into this morning. Let's get into the doctrinal aspect of what I'm preaching about. Ephesians chapter 1. And when I say doctrinal, let's get into some more of the deeper, deeper doctrinal things that happens when you get saved in Jesus Christ. Doctrinally speaking, what's going to happen to you? For Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Because something happens to you when you get saved. And you can't see it. Nobody can see it. But spiritually speaking, God does something to you. Look at, uh, Paul describes what happens when you trust in Jesus Christ. First, uh, uh, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, you trusted in Jesus, after that ye heard the word of truth, somebody preached the Bible to you, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, so you hear the word of God, you believe, and then you trust And then you're saved. And what happens then? Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What you don't understand doctrinally and spiritually speaking, because you can't see it on your life, is that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God puts a seal on you. And He seals you up. And when He seals you up, nobody's going to break that seal. You belong to Him. You're His. The devil can't break that seal. You can't break that seal. No one can break that seal. God's got you sealed until when? Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance. God gives you earnest, which is the Spirit. Showing you He's earnest about what He's doing. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of His glory. This old body has not been redeemed yet. Your soul and spirit's been redeemed. The Holy Spirit's living in you. But this old body's not been redeemed. God says, I'm serious about giving you a new body. I'm serious about redeeming your body. I'm just going to give you this spirit to that, seal you with the spirit until that body goes in the grave. And then I'll give you a new body. Then you're going to be redeemed. But you're sealed until the day of redemption. And that's a hard seal. You're not going to break God's seal. You're not going to break it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. You can't break God's seal. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. God sealed you. He not only sealed you, He's preserved you. I like to say like peach jam. That's what I like to say. I guess because I like peach jam so much. He sealed you like a mason jar. He's put you in there and He's sealed you. He's preserved you. And He's going to keep you until He's ready to open you. Because you're His. What seal does, a seal shows ownership. Everywhere in the Bible, when somebody seals something up, you know what that tells somebody? They belong to somebody. So when you're walking through the world, you can't see it, but the devil and his demons can see it, and the devil and the demons say, that's one of God's right there. I can see the seal on them. 
You belong to God. Verse 30, he does the same thing. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, which is living in us, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Man, you're sealed, you're preserved. You know, if you want some verses, write these down about preservation, because God's preserved you. Write, write these down. Jude 1. Jude 1, 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Jude chapter 1, 1. Jude chapter, Jude chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Those verses will show you that God has preserved you. He's not only sealed you, He's preserved you. You're His. He's sealed you and He's preserved you. And let me give you one more verse before we move on. And, and, and just write this one down. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I don't want to make you turn. I've been making you turn all morning long. You're probably getting tired of it already. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And that verse right there tells you that being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. That verse tells you you can be confident in your salvation. And some people don't like that. Some people don't like it that I'm so confident that I know I'm going to heaven. How can you know? I know, brother. I know, sister. I know. And you, I might be stupid, I might be a sinner, you can convince me of a lot of things, but you're not going to convince me I'm not going to heaven. I believe in this book, and this book, book tells me that Jesus Christ gave me eternal life. I, I will never, I'm never going to perish. Now, he might have to get out that old shepherd's crook, and he might have to whip this old sheep that's gone astray. He might have to do some things to me, but I'm never going to be kicked out of the family of God. I'm always part of the family of God, and he's keeping me in his nail-scarred hands. Now, let me show you one more. This is one of the most important ones I'm going to read to you this morning. You'll find it at 1 Peter chapter 1. This one's very, very important, guys. If you turn to one, anyone this morning, you might not have been turning this whole time, turn to this one. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'm going to show you this one, and then we're going to close. You have it, man. You have it. You have eternal life. And I'm so thankful that God's not an Indian giver. I'm thankful that God has got grace to keep me, not only save me, but He has grace to keep me. And I'm thankful that God does these things we're going to read here in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse Look, go to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, you're born again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's our hope. Jesus Christ coming up, is the reason why that's so, it's so wonderful that Jesus Christ came from the dead and is alive is because that means he, he, he can do what He said He can do. When he's, he tells Martha, I am the resurrection, and he goes into the grave and doesn't come up, well, I don't believe he's the resurrection. But when he says, I am the resurrection, and then he comes up, that means that's the one that's got life. That's the only one that's done that. Now, God, through God's power, he's raised other people, but they've always gone back into the grave. Jesus Christ is the only one that's tasted death, went into the grave, and came up to be alive forevermore. Very, very special, our Lord and Savior. But look at verse 4. This is your verse. Verse 4 and 5 are your verses this morning, Christian. He's, 
to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. You've got a reservation. You've got a reservation in heaven and it's waiting on you. I love that. It's like a fancy restaurant. Some fancy restaurant, and there might be a line that runs from the front door all the way around to the other side of the block. And when you pull up in that old stretch limo and you step out as a, God, as a king, as a child of God, as a child of a king, you step out of that old limo, you walk in there, so there he is, come on in here. And you get to go to the front of the line. We got the reservations waiting for you. And they'll have the best table set up, and you go sit at the best table, and you go walking up that table, and it'll say, Reserved Keegan Hall. I, I, I can't even imagine it. So when Jesus Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house are many mansions, I'm here to tell you that Sister Alice Martin, you've got a mansion up there with your name on it. Amen. You just hadn't got there yet, Sister. And if you were to be able to walk into heaven today, if you were to have a dream and walk up into heaven today, you'd see all these mansions and see all your loved ones and you'd see a mansion that's empty and you'd look up there and it'd say, Alice Martin. Amen. And it'd be empty right now because we're just waiting for her to get up here. It's reserved. Amen. And some of you might say, well, if you only knew what Sister Alice has done. If you knew Sister Alice like I know Sister Alice. I know something she did 50 years ago. I heard how she talked. Look at verse 5. Who are kept, who are kept, who are kept, by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That reservation is not kept by Sister Alice. Friend, that reservation is kept by God. Amen. And not only God, we're talking about by the power of God. So I'm here to tell you this morning, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that salvation, that eternal life, is not being, that inheritance, that, that reservation, it's not being kept by you. Praise God. It's not being kept by you. You don't, know how, you don't have to know how to get there. You don't, know how, you don't have to know the phone number to make the reservation. All you got to know is that there is a reservation and it's kept by the power of God. Listen, you've got it, man, and you're not going to lose it. We are kept by the power of God. That's that same power that's greater than all. Those nail-scarred hands, my eye and the Father are one. Those, we, man, you're right there. Amen. God's got that reservation, got that mansion, got your name on it. He's just waiting for you to get up there. You're kept by that power. And it's not your power. And praise the Lord for that. If I had to keep it, I couldn't keep it. And neither could Sister Alice. And I love Sister Alice. And she's one of the saints I talk about. But Sister Alice is a sinner. And she couldn't keep it. And neither could you. <laughs> but God's not worried about you keeping it. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. Believe, believe, believe faith in Jesus Christ. If you're just willing to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and take Him as your Lord and Savior and receive Him and put your faith on Him, you can have everything I just talked about without doing one piece of work. It's amazing. 
I'm going to close with one more verse, just, just in closing real quick, in Romans chapter 8. This is a famous set of scripture, but I've got to show it. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, and then we'll close. Guys, I'm just trying to stress to you the best of my ability that you, once you receive Jesus Christ, you've got Him. You have eternal life, and you have eternal security in that eternal life. And I want to show you one last thing, because this all goes back to one simple thing. It doesn't go back to you. The reason why you have eternal life is not you. The reason why you're saved is not you. It's Jesus Christ. But more importantly, it's the love of God that's found in Jesus Christ. Because you're not worth saving. To go to heaven? Come on. Come on. If you send me to heaven like I am right now, I'm going to mess heaven up. You know me. If you send Keegan Hall in the body I have right now with the sin flowing through, you know what I'm going to do up in heaven in this body? I'm going to pull my pocket knife out and start trying to pick up those streets of gold. Look at that idiot. Listen, I've got to get a new body. I've got to have one like into his. This doesn't have anything to do with Keegan or the works I do or anything. This has to do with God. And he better keep it or I can't keep it. But it goes back to his love found in verse 38, Romans chapter 8, verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. There's nothing going to separate you from that love. Well, but Brother Keegan, you know... What if, what if tomorrow I do some heinous sin? Look at verse 38. Nor, the end of verse 38. Nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Any of your future sins is not going to keep you from getting into heaven. Because <laughs> we're not talking about your sins keeping you or getting you into heaven. What's keeping you or getting you out of heaven is Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Him. And trust in His blood atonement. See, when you go to hell, if you go to hell, it's going to be a sin of omission. It's not a sin of commission. Everybody's committed that sin. Everybody has committed sin. It's going to be a sin of omission. You omitted something that would have got you out, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you and pleading with you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And take care of that this morning and get that out of the way and let Jesus Christ give you eternal life so that you'll never perish. I was reading another scripture this morning in Sunday school where Jesus Christ said, and they shall never see death. Talking about his, talking about his children. Saved people, Christians, will never see death. They shall never see death. What does that mean? I know a lot of Christians that have died. You know a lot of Christians whose bodies expired. But they've never seen death. They took that last breath instead of, and they woke up and there's the angels of God and they took them up and they carried them up to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. They carried them up to be with Jesus Christ. They're up in heaven. Celebration, wonderful time. But somebody who dies without Jesus Christ, they die and their soul comes out of their body and there's death. And they see death, and he takes them, and he drags them down into a hell, waiting for judgment. I'm never going to see death. 
I'm never going to see death. I'm going to only see my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I don't have death. I have eternal life. And I thank the Lord for that. And it has nothing to do with Keegan. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. That's why we glorify Jesus Christ in every way and everything, every way we preach and teach and the bumper stickers, everything on our cars. Do you notice it's always all about Jesus Christ? Because it's all about Him. He's the reason I'm getting in. He's the one that made the reservation. He's the one that's building the mansion. He's the one that forgive me of my sins. He's the one that died for me. He's the one enough to love me, enough to die for me. It's all about Him. Man, don't kid me. Don't come talk to me about some other religion or come talk to me about some other Savior. You're a fool to talk to me that way. I got the best thing going. I got the best life insurance a man could ever dream of. And I didn't pay a cent for it. It's just given to me. I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, Lord, and thank you that we can't lose it. Lord, because you know us, we're wicked sinners, Father. We'd find a way to lose it. We'd mess it up. And Lord, we're just so thankful this morning that it's kept by your power and not our own. Father, we're weak. We live in this flesh, Lord God, in a sinful body, Father, and please forgive us for our sins, Father. But we want to give you the glory and the honor and the praise, and we want Jesus Christ to be glorified and honored in every way, Lord. And we just pray the Holy Spirit will move among us this morning, Father. And Father, there's somebody out there that's never received Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray that as I'm, as I'm praying this right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will go speak to their heart the truth, Lord, that they need to receive and believe on Jesus Christ. And you'll give it to them, Lord. You'll give them that eternal life. And they can have that weight lifted off their shoulder. They don't have to worry about hell anymore, Lord. And they can just look forward to working for you, Lord, and look forward to heaven. And Father, I want to thank you for a place that's waiting for me up in heaven. I want, you, I want to thank you, Lord, for my name being up in heaven, written in the Lamb's Book of Life, sitting on a mansion up there, Lord. I just thank you for it, Lord. I know I don't, I don't deserve it, Lord. And Father, honestly, honestly, Lord, your love is very, very humbling. Very humbling. Thank you for allowing me to call you Father. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's have an invitation, Brother Matt. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. 
he's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.